Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. It's the time of dreams. And we all have dreams. In fact, I know that because I look at, in the students, we talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. In the top hierarchy of need, he says this. It's to have a desire to become the most one can be. We all have this desire, this dream to be bigger than ourselves, to be part of a story that is bigger than us. But as Mickey said last week, and he introduced this whole idea, for some reason, somewhere along the journey, somewhere along the way, we tend to stop dreaming. Why do we do that? And so I want to continue that conversation today, and at the end, I want to give you some thoughts and maybe how we can start to dream again. When I start thinking about dreaming, I can't help but go back to the Old Testament, because there was a huge dream for the Israelites that God gave them, the dream of the promised land. Wow. Now, If you don't know much about the exodus of the Israelites, if you don't know much about that story, some of you are like, yeah, I remember that. If you don't, let me catch you up just a little bit. There was a group of people, God's people, called the Israelites. And they've been in captivity for over 400 years. Imagine what that must have been like. I mean, there wasn't a generation alive at that time that actually knew what it meant to be free. From birth to death, they were born, and they woke up having someone to tell them what to do, where to go, how to live. If they made money, they took it all. Everything they did was under the guise of this government and this rule. They didn't have freedoms to do what they wanted. This is how they lived. But God, in his mercy, heard their cries. And God raised up a man, a leader, Moses. And he says, Moses, I want you to go and set my people free. So Moses went to Pharaoh. And and after miraculous signs and things that God did, he told Pharaoh, you know, if you remember, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh, baby, let my people go. (laughs) Right? You remember that? And here he says, listen, Pharaoh, you've got to let him go. And after the 10th miraculous scene that was a terrible thing for the Egyptians, they let the Israelites go. He said, fine, take them. Go, 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 go. And so Moses began to lead over a million plus Israelites out into the wilderness to this place that God promised them, this promised land where it's flowing with milk and honey and all these great things. And they went through the valley, and Pharaoh's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And his heart hardened, and he said, no, what did I, this, is, this was a terrible idea. We have to go back and get him. And he, he loaded up his chariots and his armies, and they came back after the Israelites. And the Israelites found themselves at the shore of the Red Sea. And here's Pharaoh and his army behind them, only being held back by a pillar of fire by night. And they're like, okay, what do we do? And then God spoke to Moses. He said, lift up your rod, your staff, 
And when he did, God parted the waters. And not only did they walk across through the Red Sea, but they walked across on dry ground. Do you guys get that? Dry ground. This isn't wet, soggy. You know what it's like when stuff starts to come recede a little bit? It's wet and soggy and nasty. No, God said on dry ground, they walked across just long enough. And as Pharaoh's army pursued them at their heels, God released it and crushed the enemy. And he kept his promise. He freed the Israelites. And then they went through the wilderness to the place where the promised land was. And God took care of them and he fed them and he did all these things. And when he got to the place right before the land, he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take 12 men and I want you to go and survey the land. And look, look and see who the people are in the cities. And look at the fruit and everything that I told you I would give. So they did that. And that's where we're going to pick up the story today. In Numbers 13, these men went out and they saw these things and they came back to report to Moses and Aaron and all the people what they saw. So we're going to be in Numbers 13 and we're going to go through several passages to follow along. We're going to start in verse 25. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kedesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land which you sent us, and it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides that, we saw the descendants of Anak there. But Caleb spoke up. Caleb quieted the people before Moses said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied on, saying, the land, through which, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from Nephilim. And we seen to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. Hmm. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt. Or would that we have died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us to this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? They lost sight of the dream. They lost sight of what God had for them. 
They experienced miracle after miracle, and God did all of these things. And it really wasn't that long ago that God parted the Red Seas, that he brought them out of captivity, that they are now free, and they forgot all that. And they stopped dreaming. Why is it that sometimes we stop dreaming? You know, I was, I know Mickey introduced some ideas and I was thinking more on it. And, and, and I thought, here are some of the reasons. Maybe you resonate with some of these. But here are some things to consider fear. You know, I think some of us stop dreaming because we fear. Maybe we fear of failure. Now, the interesting thing is, if you look through Scripture, not one time does God call us to be successful. Do you realize that? That's an American idea. God says, I want you to be faithful. I want you to be obedient. I want you to be courageous. But he never said, I require you to be successful. But yet, we fear failure. Or maybe it's the fear of loss. You're like, no, no, you don't understand. I could lose my job. We could lose our money. I could lose my reputation. And again, if we follow God and we lean on him, doesn't he own a cattle on a thousand hills? Does, it, does he really need any of this stuff in this world? Or is he not enough to cover it all? But yet we still fear loss. Or maybe it's the fact of we have a dependence on self. For some of us, we kind of puff up. And we think, well, I can do this all myself. Surely I can do it. I mean, look at me. Look at all that I am. I can do this. And then we try and we realize, "Mm, it's not going the way I planned. Or maybe it's the fact that we don't believe in ourselves. We don't have any dependence on ourselves. And even when God says, you can do this, and I've given you everything you need for life and godliness, we go, I just, I don't know. Or maybe it's maturity. For some of us, we have these great dreams and things, and then all of a sudden comes around and they say, you've got to realize you can't really make a living doing this. You've got to realize that, I'm sorry, but you can't raise a family doing this. It's just going to be too hard. You've got to grow up. You've got to put away these dreams and get real. (laughs) Or for some of us, maybe it's the fact that we've lived our life and we've accomplished the goals we put before us, and we're like, you know what, Chad? I'm just comfortable. I've worked hard. I've told. I've risked. I've been hurt. I've experienced life. And to be honest, I'm just at a place where I'm just done. I, I want to enjoy what I've, my life and what I've done. I don't want to dream anymore. Or for some of us, and I think a lot of us too, is busyness, Right? We're just too busy. I was talking to my wife, and she's like, man, how can I think of one more thing to do? We're running around crazy with schedules here and there, and we've got everything going on, and we're trying to make it all happen, and we're trying to put it all together. I don't have time to just add one more thing. 
And so we look at it and say it's impossibility. All these are possible reasons why maybe we stop to dream. But here's the thing. I think there's something deeper underlying it all. (laughs) And God begins to call it out in the Israelites. So let's go back to the account and see what he said. In Numbers 14, verse 11, and then 20 and 24. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs that I have done among them. Then the Lord says, I, Moses pleaded for the people, and the Lord says, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt in the wilderness, and yet put me to the test these ten times, and have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land I swore to give to their fathers. And then none of those who despise me shall see it, but my servant Caleb. Because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. Why was the dreaming lost? They stopped believing. And when they stopped believing, it created disobedience. And as they became more disobedient, they started to despise the fact that they were free in the first place. They were like, I want to go back to captivity. Let's just go back to captivity. Really? We're going to do this? No, I want to go back. And God's like, are you kidding me? I'm the God of life. I'm the God of freedom. That's the business I'm in. And you want to get back to that? The reason many of the Israelites stopped dreaming and missed out on the promised land was because they lost their wonder and awe of God. And thus they stopped believing. Let me say that again. They lost their wonder and awe of God. Let that sink in. They stopped seeing God as big enough to handle whatever was before them. All of a sudden, the people and the cities were too great for God to handle. God started to become small in their eyes, which made them even smaller. And because of that, they stopped believing. They stopped dreaming. They missed out on the dream that God had for them. They couldn't trust God because they didn't see him as big enough. And maybe for some of us, that's where we find ourselves today. Maybe some of you are like, you know, if I really think about it, Chad, that's kind of me. (laughs) Because I kind of struggle seeing the bigness of the the world and everything around me and and not being able to see God as bigger than all of that. 
And I wonder if we can relate to those Israelites. Now, this is a stark contrast to how we were as a child, isn't it? I remember I love children because I remember as a child, man, it was so great. You gave me a ball and a stick, and man, I could do anything, right? I mean, children are full of imagination and wonder and awe. There's a purity in their play, their creativity. They just take joy in the moment, and they enjoy it. Man, I remember with my cousin, we would be out, and, and we would go in the, there was some woods right behind his, that's going to roll off, I'm just going to hold it. <laughs> there was some woods right behind his house, and we would go out, and we would build a fort, and I'm telling you what, I was one of the best warriors there were. You know how I know? We never lost a fight. No one ever came in our fort. We always won. No matter what, ah, we charged it and we won. Because I believe anything is possible as a child. And you know what? I was one of the best basketball players in the world. I was better than Michael Jordan. I mean, he was good. Don't get me wrong. But I was better. You know how I know I was better? Because every time I'd be out on the court, and I just knew it was for the championship, and the time was ticking down. Three, two, one. Oh, oh he was fouled. He was fouled. Oh, man, I get back up, and I make those foul shots. I didn't lose a game. I was good. Michael Jordan, he, he called me sometimes if he needs some skills. Here's the thing. We believed anything was possible then, didn't we? Not only that, talk to a child, and especially one that has a close relationship with their mom or their dad, and start a conversation like this. Hey, you know what? I bet my dad picked up that rock. What are they going to say? Oh, yeah? My dad can pick up that log. Oh, yeah? Well, my dad, he can hold that rock, put it on that log, and pick both of them. Well, my dad can have you sitting on the law with the rock and pick all of you up. <laughs> because they believe anything is possible. And maybe that's why when the disciples and Peter came up to Jesus and they said, who's the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus responded, how? You have to become like a child. Because there's something about that faith. There's something about that belief. That he didn't want us to miss. That he wanted to capture our hearts. So if we're going to dream again, I have three thoughts. And we're done. But I'm excited because I think if we can grab onto these, I think God's really going to do incredible work in our lives. Now here's the first one. The first one is we need to examine our hearts. Jesus and or Peter and the disciples were talking, and Jesus asked them a question because all the people in, in the area and the camps were talking about who Jesus is and in the town. And Jesus turns to them and asks a very important question. He says, who do you say that I am? Huge question. Today, I want to ask you that. Who do you say that Jesus is? 
because that's where it starts. For some of you, you go, you know what? I don't know how to answer that. You know, it's Valentine's Day is tomorrow, and what some people are going to be doing is DTR, defining the relationship. For some of us, we need to define the relationship with God. Who do we say Jesus is? For some of you, you're like, Chad, to be honest, I mean, this Jesus guy sounds pretty cool. I'm just kind of here exploring, trying to figure some stuff out. Okay, cool. Hope you keep coming back. Hope you taste and see what God is like. For some of you, it may be the fact that you're like, you know what, Chad, I, 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 I've been hearing a lot, and I've seen some lot of cool stuff and the stuff that Pastor Mickey's been saying, and I'll be honest, I, I really think I, I, I want to follow Jesus. Awesome. Let me just tell you this. Let me encourage you. I'm up here. There'll be people up here. There's people in the back and come and get Pastor Mickey, but you don't have to wait to then. Jesus is calling you now. He says, I want you to know who I am. And who I want to become to you is I want to become your Lord and your Savior. And you can do that now. For some of you, you say, you know what, Chad? I made a decision when I'm younger, but I, I just don't know. Like, it's been so long, and I've struggled, and, and some things I've been saying have been pricking my heart, and I feel this pull, and, and I just don't know. Well, let me encourage you. You can know today. You don't have to wait. But we need to start by examining our hearts and defining the relationship of who is Jesus. Here's the second thing. We need to determine what we are allowing to influence us. I talked to the students about this. At the center of your heart, there resides a throne in a sense. And whatever we put on that throne helps dictate how we live and what we believe. It also dictates how we dream or if we do. Whatever we put on our heart matters. And unless it is the Holy Spirit of God residing in your heart and sitting on that throne, we truly will not be able to dream the way we want to dream. And in fact, if he's not there then I want you to know that everything is going to be vying and fighting for the chance to sit on that throne. And in fact, the enemy is going to be slipping in. And he's going to be telling you things constantly, things like, listen, God isn't really real, and, and you know what? He's not able. He's going to be telling you other things such as, you can't do that. You, you know you're going to fail. You don't have time for this. Let's get real. You've got enough going on. Come on, you're too busy. In fact, it's not even an option. Just forget about it. Move on. You've got a good life, right? 
If we want to dream again, we have to make sure that the Holy Spirit of God is sitting on the throne of our hearts. You know why? God called, or Jesus called the Holy Spirit the comforter because he is there to encourage and comfort us. He is there when times get hard that he pushes us on and he says, come on, you can do it. Keep going. Don't slow down. You're there. Dream. Dream. Dream again. And lastly, as I close, we need to be reawakened to who God is and what he wants to do. Listen, I really want this truth to permeate our hearts and minds. Just look at this. Just some thoughts of what God desires for us. And we talk about this first one we talk about in John 10, 10. And some of you talked about it in Growth Track just now. He says, I've come that you may have life and life to the fullest. Like that's his desire for you. That's what he wants for you. This is like, in a sense, this was Jesus' promised land idea. Life and life to the fullest. But not only that, and I love Ephesians 3. It's one of my, my favorite passages there. And then 20 especially, I love that. God says, he is able to do abundantly above anything we ask or think. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm a dreamer. You can ask my wife. I'm like all up in the sky. You know, there are a lot of things I can think about and dream about. And God says, listen, I want you to dream. God says, because I want to do abundantly, immensely over that. That's the kind of life I want you to live because I want you to have a full life. A life of purpose, a life of meaning, a life that matters. But he just, he doesn't leave it there. And that's what I love about God. But what I want to leave you with last is, I just want you to see this. And these aren't all, but these are some of God's promises for you. And I. And for some of you, maybe you need to take notes. Maybe you need a screenshot. Maybe you need to write these on your mirror so you don't forget them. But listen, God is for you. In fact, he says, if I'm for you, who can be against you? <laughs> what a beautiful thing. God gives you all you need. He says, I give you all you need for life and for godliness. He made you a new creature, which means the old creature no longer has dominion, no longer has power, no longer has authority in your life. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. In fact, even more so than that, I give you a comforter called the Holy Spirit, who is with you to walk with you in every day, in and out. Listen, this is the magnificent God. This is the almighty God. This is the all-powerful God. 
that is for you. This is what he's calling you to. Listen, this is the holy God where Moses says, God, I want to see you. He said, no, you can't even see me because I'm too holy. So what I'm going to do is I want you to hide your face. And when I've already walked past, you can see just a glimpse of me in the end. And when Moses came down to see the Israelites, he was glowing because he'd been in the glory of God. This is the God that is calling you. This is the one that is looking at you saying, I want you to dream. I want you to dream amazing, incredible dreams. Why? Because I'm going to give you the power to do so. I'm going to give you what you need. And I want to see you turn this world upside down. I want to see you bring glory and honor to me. I want you to see lives changed. I want to see the world impacted because you are part of a bigger story, a story that God is writing for this world to say he loves them. He loves them radically. And he says, I want you to be part of it. Will you dream again? Today, for some of you, I ask, will you follow him? Because that's the first step. <laughs> for others of you, maybe it's the fact that you need to repent of your unbelief and your lost dreams and say, and I've had to do this and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the times that you said go and I didn't go and you said dream and I didn't dream and I didn't believe. God, forgive me. And for some of us, we just need to be reawakened to who God is and remember who he is and what he has for us. Because it's true. For. <laughs> God is for you. God is for this community. God is for this church, and he wants to see all of us dream to do great and mighty things for him. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.